Do you guys, have you heard of Valerie Kaur? Do you know who Valerie Kaur is? She is this um, Sikh activist and lawyer and justice maker. And on New Year's Eve 2016, she spoke at this huge gathering. It was the National Moral Revival for the Poor People's Campaign at their Night Watch service. Initially, in her words, she spoke about the rise in hate crime that she has seen, we are all seeing, the resurgence of white supremacy and nationalism in the country, and the impact of the incoming administration's policies on people of color, on immigrants, on women, on the environment, on health care. But in that naming of the darkness and sort of building this horrible vision of, of the future, she did this beautiful pivot and she said in her closing words, she said, the mother in me asks, what if this darkness is not the darkness of the tomb, but the darkness of the womb? What if our America is not dead, but a country that is waiting to be born? What if the story of America is one of long labor, what if all our grandfathers and grandmothers, those who are standing behind us now, those who survived occupation and genocide, slavery, Jim Crow, detentions, what if they are whispering in our ear today saying, you are brave? What if this is our nation's great transition, she asks. What does the midwife tell us to do, she says? Breathe and then push, <laughs> breathe, and then push. Because if we don't push, says Valerie Kaur, our nation will die. If we don't push, we will die. Today we, we will breathe, tomorrow we will labor in love, she says, and through love and through your revolutionary love, we will show our children the magic and the power of that vision of love. It, is, go watch this. You can find this on, on YouTube. It's on YouTube and other places. It is a stunning reimagining of this moment we are in, this long labor that we are in, and the breathing and the pushing that we must do unless we want to die. Breathe and then push. No doubt the story means something different to each of us based on our experiences in life but it's a story that can live in all of us. And I wonder this morning, how are you breathing in this darkness? How are you pushing in this time? I breathe by journaling and praying. I breathe by walking around Lake Harriet. I breathe by sitting with my therapist and spiritual director. I breathe when I play and laugh with our children. I breathe when I connect with our Muslim and Jewish friends. I push when I march in the streets. I push when I dive into our racial justice work, discovering its connections to sanctuary church and immigrant justice work. I push when I use my moral voice at the Capitol or other public squares. How are you breathing? How are you pushing? How are you laboring for a new world? And how is that labor going? Are you energized? Are you overwhelmed? Are you exhausted? Have you checked out and are just binging on Netflix and Amazon video? 
I do that sometimes. It's just, it's, it's a way to deal. Because it's true, isn't it? It is true that this moment comes when pushing any more, when laboring any more just feels impossible, especially when we have been working for so long for a justice we dream of. In those moments, a voice in our head says, doesn't it, I can't do it anymore. I can't show up one more time. I can't make the phone call this time. I can't risk having my heart broken one more time. I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. I can't. In one way or another, I believe we all know this experience. And sometimes it has to do with actual birthing labor, but sometimes it is just very difficult labor we are involved in. I want to share a story with you this morning, a story I have permission to share uh, from my wife, Juliana, a story about the birth of our son, Jesse, who is now almost two years old. After laboring for a number of hours and then arriving at the hospital and then working with the birth doula and the midwife, Juliana and I landed in that place of deep uncertainty about the labor. Despite evidence of children being born all of the time, <laughs> we began to think, and I'm just being straight with you here, we began to think, this is impossible. Like, this is not going to happen. This, this thing is too big, this body too small. This is not going to happen. It's just not going to work. And whether or not you've had a child or been present at a birth, I trust you can relate to this sense of, I can't do this. This is just too much. Perhaps for you, this moment is when those intense feelings of anger or grief, maybe long held, kind of start to surface up. And it just seems too much to hold, too big to hold. And if you let it out, you might weep uncontrollably. You might fall down in a puddle on the floor, shaking and quivering if you continue to feel those feelings. You can't do it. Or maybe you're a small business owner and you have this vision and this dream and you are sinking 70 or 80 hours every week into this work to make this labor of love happen and you're not seeing your partner or your children. You're thinking to yourself, how much longer? I can't do this. Or maybe you're an organizer or a teacher or an activist or a healthcare provider and what's being asked of you feels like three times more than any single person could possibly do. It was in this overwhelming kind of moment in labor that Juliana, not usually one who yells, turned to the midwife and yelled desperately, I can't do this. I can't do it. And the midwife, this wise, calm midwife, leaned in and gently touched Juliana's back and leaned into her head and looked in her eyes and said, but you are. You are doing this. You're doing this right now. You are doing it. And it's time to push. Friends, here's what I know to be true. By ourselves alone, we lose track of where we are, of what is happening, and what's possible. Which is why a community, a faith community, is so important. 
In this space, we can be midwives to one another, offering our loving presence, witnessing grief, sharing words of encouragement. I'm not joking when I say that these words from the midwife, they have become a mantra for Juliana and me these past few years as both of us work full time and parent two children and respond to Juliana's mom's cancer diagnosis and then radiation and surgery. And right now she appears to be free of cancer. We've done our best in these years to stay grounded and active in the world, this world that sometimes feels like it is collapsing. When we finally get the kids to bed at night and take a look around the house, which looks like a tornado has just moved through with all the clothes that are strewn on the floor and the Cheerios and the dried cheese and who knows what else is under the high chair. And we see all of the couch pillows that are off the couch and on the living room floor because don't you know it's more fun to read on the couch without pillows? <laughs> We take all of that in, we see all of that, we take all of that in, and as we settle into bed for the night, we turn to one another and say, we are doing it, right? We are doing it. Sometimes it feels impossible, but we're doing it, and you know this in your life, sometimes it's even more intense than that, but you know this sense of we are doing it. And church, as a church, we're doing it. We hold each other through grief whose weight feels impossible to bear. You testify to this all of the time. We help each other travel a path when it seems there is no path there. You tell me these stories, you share these stories with each other. We dream of a new world and new ways of being and it is taking root. Just a few years ago, remember, we did this invitation at the holidays. We said, what if we reimagined the holidays? What if we gave away half of what we would normally spend on one another and our families and we raised enough money and through our time and money, we made the house that love built real with Habitat for Humanity. There were doubts in that moment about raising the $60,000 to build that home. And secretly, I wondered, I think, Jen, you probably wondered too, like, are we gonna even raise this money? This is kind of crazy. But we did it. We did it, we are doing it. And several years ago, we made a commitment as a church to really live into this racial justice journey, to really take our faith seriously, to live into the call of our faith that we dismantle this 400-year-old system of white supremacy and racial oppression and holy buckets. It has been messy and challenging. That's a Ruthism, holy buckets, that's a Ruthism. It has been messy and challenging and heartbreaking and heart-opening and heart-stretching and relationship-deepening. It has been a profound journey for me and I know for many of you. A week doesn't go by when one of you emails or shows up or calls and says how frustrated or challenged or open-hearted or changed you are by this journey. It feels impossible sometimes. We never get it right. There's always a critique. There's always some learning. But church, we are doing it with mistakes and missteps and open hearts and changed lives. We are not the same church we were four years ago. And we're not doing it for ourselves alone. If you were at the Capitol campaign kickoff party last night, and I know many of you were, but many of you were not there, and that's, you were there in spirit. 
You know the theme of this campaign is not for ourselves alone, building an inclusive future. This campaign has been two years in the making with input from the congregation, from the board, from staff. There will be ongoing opportunities for input. The essential vision of this campaign is simple. Make our building more welcoming, accessible, spacious. In other words, we don't want to have the building be a barrier to our ministry. And the second vision is in line with our racial justice commitments. We want to reimagine the purpose and function of this building so that it can more fully be a resource for the community, a place to organize and mobilize, to build networks of solidarity and support and collaboration so that it can be a womb that helps give birth to a new world. We've identified about six and a half million dollars in needs for this campaign, and the goal is to visit with everyone to talk about the future of the church, to invite you to be midwives of that future. And I don't know about you, but when we were honest in the planning, in the putting together of this vision for the campaign, looking at deferred maintenance, looking at the needs we had, and we realized that really honestly that was about six and a half million dollars, I wondered, I know, Probably you wondered too, can we do that? I don't think we can do that. We can't do that. But guess what, friends? Last night we shared that in the quiet phase of the campaign, we have already raised three and a half million dollars. All right? We have already raised three and a half million dollars. So with your help, with your participation, we will get there. We will do this. We are doing it. We are reimagining who we are and what we can do together. We are defying the gravitational pull of we can't do it. We are striving to meet this moment, to truly make this building our home, but not just a home for ourselves, a home for activists and organizers, for undocumented young adults and adults at risk of deportation, of being torn from families and loved ones, not just a home for our families, but a temporary home for families experiencing homelessness, not just for ourselves, but for grandchildren and great-grandchildren we will never meet. We are doing it. We're doing it together. We are doing it together. We are doing it together. This is your line. We are doing it together. And I want to invite Ruth up here. I want to invite Jen and Elaine up here because that's your line. We are doing it together. And we're going to end this the service with a call and response um, because we are in this with you and we are doing it together. What's your line again? We are doing it together. All right. We are making a new path, a new way forward. We are doing it together. We are breathing and pushing. We are doing it together. Grounded in love, committed to justice. We are doing it together. Not alone, or for ourselves alone, but for community and the larger community. We are doing it together. Friends, we are doing it together. Amen.